I'm Alexander Badgett, and you're listening to the Bankster Podcast. Welcome. It's the only podcast dedicated to the fascinating and the ever more consequential world of central banking. A notable part of every January here in the United States is the President's Address to Congress called the State of the Union. It's a speech that fulfills an actual literal requirement in the U.S. Constitution, it's, which is found in Article 2, Section 3, to be exact. It says, quote, The President shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union. Close quote. It's a good way for an agenda to be outlined and aspirations for the year to be shared. Now, in honor of that tradition today, I'm going to give a few basics that might be included in a State of the Federal Reserve, 2018. My State of the Union will be less aspirational slash what I think the Fed should be doing. It'll be more foundational, more what is the State of the Fed literally in 2018. But it'll be fun to share a few of my thoughts regarding the current shape of the Federal Reserve and what to expect this year. Some of these points that I'm going to make came from questions that I've received recently uh, via Twitter and in email. So with that, let's jump right in. I'm going to talk about four different pieces of information that are interesting to think about as we start this uh, this new calendar year. Number one, vacancies and nomination within the Fed. Uh, Number two, the FOMC rotation, which as longtime listeners will remember, the FOMC rotates who gets a vote every year. So I'll talk about who's voting this year. Uh, I will talk about interest rate increases, right? That's the big one. And uh, one of the ones that I get uh, the most questions about Uh, people straight up asking, hey, uh, Alexander, when is and by how much are interest rates going to rise? Uh, And finally, I'll talk about uh, the outgoing uh, tenureship of Janet Yellen. So let's start with the vacancies and the nominations. I'm going to just kind of go through all of the positions and talk about uh, what the current state of the Federal Reserve System is in its top echelons of leadership. And that top starts with the chair, of course. And as I just mentioned, Janet Yellen is uh, is retiring from the FOMC uh, when her term as chair ended. Donald Trump at the end of last year chose to nominate uh, Jerome Powell for the chair position uh, and that left Janet Yellen with an option to stay on the board of governors as a governor for the rest of her term uh, which was still had a few quite a few years left um, but only one chair has really stayed on after uh, being released as chair. And it was back in the uh, in the 50s with Mariner Eccles. So, as was to be expected, Janet Yellen decided to retire. So, Jerome Powell. I've got three questions to think about. Uh, kind of these, these three broad categories of what people are wondering about Jay Powell's role as chair. Question number one. Will he continue Yellen's policies? Now, that's what is basically predicted. Uh, if he follows course uh, in, and if his 
previous voting pattern is any indication of what his future uh, leadership will be and the policies that he'll propose, then he will be in line with the track that the Fed was on under Ben Bernanke first and then Janet Yellen, um, a slow but uh, a slow and moderate tightening of policy. Question number two, will he be open to loosening regulations? Question number three, will Jay maintain relatively positive relationships with Congress and the president? Now, in today's polarized political situation, I have been pleasantly surprised at the level of independence that the Federal Reserve leadership has maintained. Um, obviously, there are hearings where the chair goes and speaks and um, has received a wide range of criticism. Uh, but overall, uh, both with the, the president, the uh Treasury Secretary and Congress overall relationships have been quite solid. And I hope that that continues uh, in this new year. Um, Granted, it's pretty easy to maintain positive relationships when the economy is doing well. So if as long as the economy continues to perform well for the vast majority of Americans, you can expect those relationships to continue to be positive uh, where things might start to crumble as if uh, if the economy starts to starts to slow down or even dip into a recession that's where uh, really the rubber meets the pavement as far as relationships between the fed and uh, politicians so we'll see where that goes so those are three big things to think about uh, as we watch jay powell begin his tenureship as chair Uh, There are two vice chair positions on the Board of Governors, one of which was recently filled by Randall Quarles. He is the first, actually, governor to serve as the chair, the vice chair over supervision. Now, that was created as part of the Dodd-Frank Act, but the seat had remained empty for the last few years uh, because the Obama administration was unable to... uh, get somebody that uh, the Republican-dominated Congress could uh, agree would be fit for the job. So Randall Quarles begins that role. Uh, the regular vice chair of uh, is that position is open, uh, vacated by Stanley Fisher um, the end of last year as well. Um, there's one other governor, Lael Bernard, who was appointed in 2014, who will be uh, one of the few that remains on the Board of Governors. Um, She has a a term that doesn't end until 2026. Uh, Donald Trump has nominated Marvin Goodfriend, uh, a macroeconomics uh, university professor. Uh, So he's been nominated, uh, but has not been confirmed by the Senate. there are also two other governor positions vacant. This is a very young, as far as number of years on the Board of Governors uh, board. Uh, there are eight collective years by my back of the napkin calculation. Uh, eight collective years of experience on the Board of Governors. Trump will get to nominate six of the seven board members by the end of the year. Now, another 
vacancy, and a very important vacancy that will come up this year, is the New York Fed president. Bill Dudley has announced that he will be leaving, and the board of directors of the New York Fed have begun a search to find the candidate to fill uh, Bill Dudley's position. Remember that this is a really important position because it gets a vote on the FOMC every single meeting. It doesn't have to rotate like the rest of the presidents. There are two other notable uh, uh, vacancies that were filled within the last six months or so. The Richmond Fed uh, tapped Thomas Barkin, uh, a consultant, uh, to be their president. He started, he's going to start uh, actually January, so right now. Um, If you remember, uh, Barkin is replacing Jeffrey Lacker, former president of the Richmond Fed, that had to leave because of an investigation into a leak of classified information from the Board of Governors. Finally, the Atlanta Federal Reserve District also has a new president, came in in June of 2017. And that makes for an easy segue into the FOMC rotation. So remember, uh, there are 12 Federal Reserve Districts, Five of them get a vote at every meeting, and the New York Fed always gets a vote. So that leaves the other 11 districts or the other 11 presidents get to share four votes. So they do that by rotating every year. So this year, Cleveland is replacing Chicago, and Richmond is replacing Philadelphia, and Atlanta is replacing Dallas, and San Francisco is replacing Minneapolis. You can get this churn every year of new members, new voting members. Now, all of them show up to the meetings every six weeks, and they all get to share opinions. They all get to talk. But when it comes time to vote, only the five presidents and the seven governors get to vote. So... If you've been keeping track through all of this, there is a lot of churn and a lot of new people. So, by my calculations, nine of the 12 voting members of the FOMC, so those seven governors plus the five presidents, nine of them might be new by the end of 2018. So, if you compare 2017 excuse me, to 2018, December of those years... Nine of the 12 will be different. That's a lot of change. Okay, now let's move on to what they actually vote on, right? This is the big question, interest rate increases. I'm going to talk about a few different ways that I think about these things, okay? First of all is the economic projections, right? There's a a published uh, every three months by the FOMC, and December's contained uh, one page. They always contain one page called the dot plot, Right. For those longtime listeners of the Bankster podcast, we'll remember that the dot plot is a projection where all of the 19 members of the FOMC, so not just those that get to vote, but all of them, they get to say what they think is the appropriate amount of interest rate increases. So December, which is the most recent, December 20, 2017's dot plot, had a median estimate of three increases or three interest rate increases for the calendar year 2018. There were six of the uh, of those that voted that voted right for that median. So for three increases of a quarter percent each, there were six that said that it should be less than that. 
And there were four that said that it should be above that. So of the 16, six said three increases, four said more than three, six said less than three. So that's one thing that I look at. I always look at the the dot plot. The second thing is futures markets. So as of today, futures markets, which is basically you can think of it as just people betting on what the rate will be. So these futures markets have about one-third chances there will be two increases, one-third chance that there will be three increases, and the remaining third is divided evenly above and below. So one and four, basically. So about an even split probability between two increases this year and three increases this year. The December minutes, which are basically notes taken uh, at each meeting, the notes were published for the December FOMC meeting, and uh, sifting through those minutes show that the tax reform did come up and that it may cause that a little bit more inflation, which would cause them to raise rates sooner. Uh, Remember that a tax cut is basically a stimulus to the economy, and that's a potential downside of the stimulus is that it may cause inflation, which the Fed fights by raising interest rates. Okay, the final thing that I look at is inflation and unemployment numbers. Unemployment is very low at 4.1% on the aggregate. There's a lot of ways to slice and dice it, and it's not equal across all demographics and areas. Um, but the base number is uh, is barely over 4%, and we don't know how much lower that can go without without rate causing inflation, uh, if the basic economic models that the Fed uses uh, hold true. Uh, And inflation is coming under 2% still. So you have a number of officials warning caution on raising rates too fast because that inflation number is still low. But you have others that say, you know what, the economy is is growing robustly. If there's extra tax... uh, tax reform, it might start to grow even faster. So we need to make sure that we don't let inflation get out of hand. So in summary, three simple, these are very simple things to check if you ever want to know what interest rate decisions are looking like for the future. Check out the dot plot on the economic projections. Check out the futures markets. Look at what the the markets are predicting. And then finally, pay attention to what the FOMC members are talking about in their speeches. They give lots of speeches and pay attention, especially give special credit to those who are voting members. But the sentiment in the room is also important. So it's important to to review them all if you want to keep track of that. Now, final point, final discussion topic for this State of the Fed 2018 is Janet Yellen stepping down. Now, I have gotten the question, well, what does a chair do after they step down? What will Janet Yellen do? And I got a couple of options as I was thinking and looking at past uh, chairs after their term. Uh, Janet Yellen, based on her history, she may go back into academia. She had a long, healthy teaching career. Her husband um, is an economics, actually a Nobel laureate economics professor. So she may go back into academia. She may join a corporate board uh, or a nonprofit board. Those can be lucrative, very lucrative. The 
what the Federal Reserve is doing and will do is very valuable information. And besides somebody already in the institution, the one person or the few people that might know that better than anybody else is a former leader of the very institution that decides interest rates and monetary policy. So uh, she will, I guarantee, have lots of invitations and opportunities. Uh, Which ones, if any at all, she takes will be interesting to watch. Uh, She may join in a think tank as well, a research institution. Ben Bernanke went to Brookings. Uh, She may go into the public sector. So she may go into other international financial institutions, whether in a government position, although I think that's definitely the least likely. uh, She may go to an institution like the World Bank or the IMF. And finally, and to be honest, in my opinion, the most likely is she'll probably just retire. She can give speeches and travel and charge for speeches. She's 71 years old. Uh, like I said, her her um, professor husband, uh, they have with with her husband, they have a son who teaches uh, economics in London, or excuse me, in the United Kingdom at the University of Warwick, and so that would give them more opportunities to travel. And finally, I hope that she writes a book. Uh, the first woman chair of the Federal Reserve. A very powerful uh, position, a very important position, and a very fascinating story that she has to has to tell. She's also uh, led the Fed over four of some of the most successful years in a lot of aspects, economically speaking, for the country. So I really hope that she sits down and is able to uh, write down her experience that probably will take a year or two before it comes out so it may not come out in 2018 but it'll be exciting when it does hopefully it does so in conclusion 2018 will be an exciting year in the central verse the board of governors will be full of trump nominees remember nine of the 12 voting members of the fomc will be new by the end of the year the new york president will be as new, will be uh, new as well, with a few other bank presidents, including two new voting members from Atlanta and Richmond. And barring some kind of surprise, unforeseen economic downturn, the Fed and most developed uh, economy central banks will be raising interest rates, will be tightening monetary policy. But by how much, only time will tell. And finally, we will see the end of the historic chairwo- chairwomanship of Janet Yellen. Now, let me know your thoughts about the coming year. I'm especially looking for more great books on central banking, past and or present. So send in your ideas. Send me what you're reading. As always, I can be reached for comments, feedback, and questions on Twitter or via my website, www.thebanksterpodcast.com. Today's episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Alexander Badgett. Thanks to all of you for listening. And I'll see you next time on The Bankster Podcast.